0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Journey Church. We're glad you're here. If you're joining us online, we're glad you're joining us as well. It's a, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. It's the week of Thanksgiving, right? And uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I-, I love the fall. It's just a, it's one of my favorite times of the year, especially whenever those fronts start coming in. You feel the kind of the breezy, sometimes blustery kind of feeling days. I mean, I love that. But you watch the trees begin to change, you know, and I don't know if you guys uh, take the time to, to take all of that in, but... But like looking in the back parking lot right here, there's a big popcorn tree that man is just beautiful this morning. Coming down Terra there was a uh, tree that looked like it was on fire. It was just so red and vibrant. So what I do is I try to I try to always take you know take in what God is uh, is doing around me. And, uh, so I I try not to you know miss an opportunity to be thankful for a, like a sunrise or a sunset or trees co- changing color like that. And so what I do is I ask God, so God give me eyes to see what you're doing. God give me eyes to see your hand at work. And God, give me ears to hear what you have to say to me and what you want to say to your people. And so I would just challenge you guys, you know, to maybe this week as we move towards Thanksgiving, you know, and as we kind of, you know, begin to kind of get in that mindset that we begin to go, you know, God, I want to be thankful for things. And maybe today, like like me, I often go, God, thank you that I still have eyes to see those colors and to see those trees and to see those sunsets and to see those sunrises. And, and God, help me not to run past that. So I would even say today, you know, that we ask, you know, God, give us ears to hear what you want us to hear. And God, maybe to remind us of what is most important. Because a lot of times we can, we can kind of get into a, a drift, if you will, to where we're focused on the things that don't really matter so much instead of focusing on what matters most. And so, to, you know, we're going to continue our series. We're in Meals with Jesus today. And uh, today we're talking about the tax collector's home and the meal with, with Matthew or Levi. We'll kind of unpack that a little bit here in a second. And, uh, and so today, you know, I had all three of my boys home today. Uh, Christian's back from college, Hunter's up from Jacksonville, and, and Zach's here with us. And so anyway, they were all in the first service. And so today we're going to do our Thanksgiving meal today right after the service. And so i and we'll hustle home right after we leave here. And, uh, and, and we're going to have dinner together, have, have a meal together, right? And, and they always kind of put in requests. I don't know if you guys do this, but around Thanksgiving, they're like, hey, Mom, we want a sweet potato casserole or we want a, a chocolate chip pound cake, or we want, you know, whatever, a pound cake, you know, whatever it might be. And, and so they start putting in these requests, and we all kind of get excited about the food. Do you guys get excited about food? Yeah. All right, so they get excited about that. I'm making y'all hungry already, I know. But uh, the thing is, is it's not so much the food as it is who is sitting at that table. You know, what makes today special is, is family around a table. You know, and the food. You know, we'll consume the food, and it'll be gone, and we'll probably even fuss over like who ate how much of whatever. But really, the thing is, is it's your family sitting around that table, and I think sometimes we forget that. Maybe as we move into Thanksgiving, you know, as we prepare for this big meal that people make such a big deal out of, we focus on the preparation, the meal, and all that, and we forget that it's about relationships. And so, really, that's what Jesus did. You know, He made it about relationships, even with Matthew. You know, it wasn't about the meal so much as it was the relationship. So let's let's kind of unpack this passage here. This is out of Matthew chapter 9, verses uh, 9 through 13. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax, tax collector's booth doing his job. It says, follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Just boom, got up and he's gone. You know, he took off with him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Look at the next part. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. What he's saying is go and apply this. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And so, this is a really cool story, and this is a really cool meal that's about to happen. You know, last week we, we saw the wedding feast, and we saw Jesus make an impact, and you know, and he, he he showed mercy, he showed you know blessings to this couple that had kind of blown it, kind of messed up. And, and today we see a guy that's messed up for a long time. We see a guy that is a tax collector. Matthew, uh, also known as Levi, in, in some of the gospels, uh, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But Matthew was a guy that didn't just mess up for one event; he messed up for a long time. And so the community, you know, they, they saw they saw something different than what Jesus saw. The community and religious leaders saw a sinner, a traitor, and a tax collector. But Jesus saw the person and the needs of Matthew. And, and so here's here's where we can walk away with some things today. Oftentimes, what we do is we focus on you know, people's mistakes more than we focus on what God could do in their life. And so the, the, the people, the religious leaders, the community, they all kind of focused on his sin, you know, and that he was a traitor to their, their nation. Because see, Rome had taken over. Rome owned everything. Rome was collecting taxes. And what they would do is they knew that you know, the people would, you know, cheat them in some way. So what they, they said, you know, what? we'll get a few people from among them and we'll pay them really well. And what they will do is they will make sure that the people aren't cheating Rome. And we get all the money and all the taxes that we desire. And so whenever they would find someone that was willing to do that, they were considered a traitor. And they called them a tax collector. And oftentimes in Scripture, you'll see that they would say, like, there was other notorious sinners there. And, you know, it would be prostitutes and notorious sinners and tax collectors. Like, those are the worst. You know, because they were a traitor. And and the people knew that, you know, Matthew had betrayed his own people. He had betrayed his own family for money. It was all about gain. It's about what you know, what, what providential gain do I have in this? And so many of you guys may think, you know, man, that's terrible, but do we cheat our family for gain? We make things, we make our job more important than our family, more important than relationships. And so they saw a sinner, a trader, and a tax collector, but Jesus saw the person and the needs of Matthew. And so Jesus wasn't worried about a tax collector booth. He wasn't worried about the fact that he had turned his back on his heritage or his family or his people. What Jesus was looking at was his heart. And he knew that, man, he was miserable. And I'm just telling you, there's many of you in here today that maybe, maybe you're here today and you're miserable. Maybe you're watching online and you're miserable. And you feel like an outcast. And you feel like you don't fit in. You feel like you're not accepted. But I'm just telling you, Jesus says you are accepted. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to sit down. He wants to dine with you. And so Matthew is the Greek name and Levi was the Hebrew name. A lot of people, you know, that I've, I've did some research on this this past week because in a couple of the Gospels it refers to the tax collector as Levi and Matthew. It's Matthew. And and some are like, well, that's two different people. And I'm like, man, I'm cool with that. That means that God showed his glory twice. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that God changed two people's lives and uh, he changed and transformed this tax collector but they really believe it's the same guy. Matthew is his Greek name and Levi was his Hebrew, Hebrew name. So he went by different names depending on what group you were talking with. And, but the thing is, is Jesus changed this man's life. Jesus values the outcast and the marginalized. Jesus cares about those that seem like they're on the peripheral. You know, oftentimes, we, you know, maybe you feel like that. Like I said, there may be some of you in the room or maybe some of you watching online that you feel like an outcast. You don't feel like you fit in. You don't feel like you've got what it takes. You don't feel like you have enough faith. You don't feel like you're deserving. And the thing is, is none of us are deserving. We've all messed up. We've all blown it. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard, which is perfection. We'll never get there. There was only one perfect person. That's Jesus, right? And so it's whenever we realize that, man, we're all broken. We're all sinners like Matthew in need of a Savior, And so, you know, my prayer, you know, I pray that we never become just a religious group of people, that we're always about the relationship. And and so Jesus values the outcast and marginalized. Oftentimes what we do is we we see people like that and we go, man, they need Jesus. Boy, they need Jesus. But we don't want to be the ones to you know, connect with them. We don't want to be the ones to spend time with them. I mean, maybe it's a homeless person. We see and we go, man, they need Jesus. Somebody needs to help them. But we're not sure we want to busy our schedule up with that or mess ourselves up, you know, with that or get caught up in something like that because we don't really know how to deal with that. You know, and so what Jesus does is he sees the outcast and the marginalized and he values them. And you might say, well, Mike, I value them. Do you value them enough to invite them to a table? Do you invite them enough to come and spend time with you? Do you value them enough to care about where they'll spend eternity? Or do you just hope they'll get off the street and not look like a bum sleeping on the sidewalk whenever you want to go down and enjoy the downtown area? You know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes that's the mentality. And so do we value them enough to care about their salvation, to care about where they spend eternity? Jesus valued the outcast and the marginalized. He, he says, follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. And so Matthew got up and he followed him. He got up and he, he followed him. And, and so Matthew's like, like me, the outcast, me, the tax collector, you know, and, and so even some of the disciples begin to struggle with like, who is this guy, man? I mean, this is a tax collector, you know, the the religious leaders, the religious, you know, uh, people that were saying, hey, listen, these are the rules. These are the guidelines. What are you doing with him? You know, and so he followed Jesus. And so here's thing: Follow me is an invitation. Jesus is, you know, he's still inviting us. He's inviting some of you to to trust him with your life. Cool thing is in the first service, we had three people put their faith in Christ. Last weekend, we had like seven or eight people that made professions of faith that said, man, I trust Jesus with my life. They, they received Christ for salvation. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so last week on, on the uh, online service, we had someone do the same thing. <clears throat> These allergies, I guess, huh? That fall weather. So we see that happen from time to time. We'll see people respond to an invitation. So after the service this morning, I, I walked back to the back. There's a little boy sitting right along in there. And he had raised his hand for salvation. I walked up to him, and he turned around. I mean, he's just like, there's a pastor. You know, and uh, I said, hey, I said, did, uh, did you pray to receive Christ today? He goes, yes, sir, I did. I said, well, let me tell you, it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. I said, so you invited Jesus to come and live within you? He goes, yes, sir. I said, do you know without a shadow of a doubt that he lives within you now? And he goes, yes, sir. I said, well, are you going to be baptized at Celebrate the Miracles when we do baptism? He goes, yes, sir. And I looked at his dad, and I said, dad, what about you? And he said, I'm saved. I said, well, do you want to baptize him? He goes, yes, sir. You know, so it was awesome. And so here's the thing. What did he do? He invited Christ to come into his life. And Jesus is inviting all of you guys to trust him the same way. It's an invitation. That invitation is always open. You know, he he said, hey, listen, I want you to come. I want you to to be a part of the family. And so whenever you hear me say to someone, say, man, welcome to the family or welcome to the family of God or welcome to the kingdom of God. That's what it is. It's an invitation. Come on in. The water's fine. Come on in, man. This is amazing what God is doing. So, follow me was an invitation. It still stands for us. Matthew immediately worked to connect his circle of influence to Jesus. So, what Matthew did was he he accepted the invitation to follow Christ. He he chose to surrender his life. He chose to give up his job. He chose to go and follow Christ. And man, and he said, Look, I want to make things right. And so, I love this that immediately Matthew began to. Connect his circle of friends, his circle of influence, if you will, to who Jesus was. Jesus had changed his life. You know, I've, I've said this many times. Whenever, I remember whenever I got saved at the age of 19, immediately I thought about people I wanted to see get saved. My dad was the first one. But then I had friends that I knew were not believers. I knew because I had, I had done stuff with them that, you know, a, a Christian, a believer, a follower of Christ is not going to do. We knew those things. And so I immediately began to pray for them and I began to try to reach out to them. And I would invite them to church and I would share with them what, what God had done in my life. And so Matthew's doing the same thing. He's, he's working to connect this group of believers. He's saying, hey, listen, man, I want you to be a part of what God has done. I want you to experience what I've experienced. You know, and, and so I don't know how any believer who has prayed to receive Christ, who knows what it's like to lay your head down on your pillow and to have peace that passes understanding, to know that you're in right standing with God, that if you breathe your last breath here, you breathe your first breath of heaven, and to have that kind of peace and to not want somebody else to experience that, something's wrong. And so you know, we've got to be willing to say, God, give me Give me eyes to see the people around me that, that need you. And God, help me to be an influence in this circle of influence. Help me to influence them in some way. We've we got a team of guys this past year that they uh, they, they got a, a race team together. they got a race car. They race out here at the Montgomery Speedway. And, and, and so they, they're doing it as a ministry. They're trying to connect with guys that go to racetracks. And people that may never darken the doors of the, of the church, they're going, Hey, man, we want to share with our circle of influence how Jesus has changed our life. And so they get to pray with people, and they get to share their testimony, get to share their story, and they get to talk about it. And they they're using their hobby. And there's other guys that maybe maybe you get into a, a hunting club so that you can share you know the gospel with somebody. You see that hey, this is my outreach. Or maybe you coach little league, or maybe you coach some sport so that you can connect and you be able to share the hope that you have. I had a gentleman I went to lunch with this past week, and we we're sitting there, and he's you know he's really not been living for the Lord long, but he said, man, I just got a passion. He said, I feel like God wants me to. Help lead a life, life group for new believers. He said, because, man, I, I've learned so much, and I've experienced so much, and, man, I, I want somebody else to be able to learn those same steps. And I was like, man, that's awesome. That's the way it's supposed to work. Y'all know that? I mean, we get saved, and we want other people to get saved. We, we learn, and we want other people to learn, right? And he said, man, I want people to learn the power of prayer. I want people to learn how important memorizing Scripture is. I want people to understand, you know, what it means to be a follower of Christ and, you know, what are the steps that we need to take to grow in our relationship. It's because his life has been changed, kind of like Matthew, right? And so let me ask you, Have has your life been changed to the point that you want others to know, that you want to, influence, you want to impact the, the circle of influence that you have? Matthew did, and that's the way it should work. So here's the thing, to share a meal means friendship, connection, or welcome. You know, I don't know about you guys, but whenever you invite someone over to your house and you, you prepare a meal and you sit down, you're really, it's not about the food, it's really about what, the fellowship and getting to know someone. And so, you know, I love it whenever... You get to go out to dinner with somebody, and Lori and I like to, t- you know, we like to go to dinner with people and just sit down and get to know them, you know, and and that's what sharing a meal is about. I mean, is it's not so much the food, it's the fellowship, it's connecting, it's building relationships, it's it's saying, hey, listen, I want to be friends with you, I want to welcome you into something, and, and so what we do is sometimes we get focused on the the meal and we miss that it's really about the relationship again. It's the friendship, it's the connection, it's the welcoming. So Matthew said, hey, Jesus, I want you to come to my house. I want you to sit down. Bring all the disciples. We're going to sit down and we're going to have a meal. And I'm going to invite my other friends because I want y'all to connect. I want y'all to get to know each other. I want y'all to get to, you know, become friends just like we are. And here's the thing about, you know, church. And I love you guys being here. One of the things I am thankful for is who sits in here every Sunday, who watches online. I'm thankful for that. But in here, you know, you can really only make acquaintances with people. You kind of speak and you say, hey man, good to see you and uh, hey, good to see you today and you know, do you have a good weekend or whatever, something like that. And that's about it. But in a life group, when you sit around a meal, you sit around a table, you get to know each other on a deeper level. And so what you do is you get to find out a little bit more than, hey, how you doing? You say, hey, how was your week, man? How can I pray for you? And you get to know each other's names and your spouse's names and you get to know, the kids' names, and you get to know what's going on in their lives, and you get to pray for one another, and you get to share what God is teaching you out of His Word, and you go, hey, this is what I've been learning. And they go, man, this is what I learned in my devotion. And you're going, man, that's awesome. And what you're doing is you're sitting around a table, and you're sharing this relationship, and you're inviting them into your life to say, hey, listen, let's walk together, and let's do life together, and let's pray for one another, and let's strengthen one another, and let's sharpen one another. And so I love that. And so to share a meal... It's something special that we ought to do. And, and Jesus modeled it. But here's what I would say. Jesus enjoyed food, but He loved people. Jesus, man, he, he loved people. He loves people. He died for people. He didn't die for buildings. He didn't die for, you know, for, for religion. He died for relationships with people. He went to the cross for you and for me, for, for my sins, for my transgressions, for my mistakes, He went there to pay a price that I could not pay so that I might be able to have a right relationship with the Father. And so Jesus, man, He enjoyed the food. He even made some food. He even feeds the disciples on the seashore. But the thing is, is He loved people. And so let me ask you, do you love people or do you just tolerate them? Do you love people or do you avoid them? You might say, well, Mike, I'm an introvert. Listen, I know that excuse too. You know what I'm saying? I mean, here's the thing. We've got to say, you know what? I'm an introvert, but man, Jesus told me to love people. You might say, well, I'm an extrovert. You just want to be seen. No, no, no. You've got to be th- not about me. It's about others, right? We've got to love people enough to get outside of ourselves and say, you know what? God, help me to love people. Help me to see people the way you see them. Help me to love people the way you love them and not make excuses. You might say, well, Mike, this, this world's so crazy. You can't trust anybody. You trust Jesus to show you who to reach out to and to love on. Right? And so Jesus enjoyed food, but he loved people. So the thing is, Jesus is all about relationships and don't miss that. It's about relationships. You build relationships. Um, you know, I, I I can remember, you know, years ago, our my son, my oldest son, was playing basketball, and he had a friend that he was playing basketball with, and we were sitting at a, a, a basketball game, and and God just spoke to me, and I looked over and I saw the his son, you know, I saw the the boy's dad sitting over there, and I said, you know, and Lord said, I want you to build a relationship with him, and share the gospel, and I mean, I'm at a basketball game, and I'm like, okay, Lord, and I, I just kind of look over at Laurie, and I said. I feel like God just told me to build a relationship with this guy to share the gospel. And she goes, that's awesome. And so the next basketball game was going to be out of town, so we were going to Birmingham. So I, I texted him and said, hey, man, or called him. I said, hey, would you be willing to, you want to just ride together? And he goes, yeah, that'd be great. So we start building this relationship. So we on the way up, I'm talking about the church, and I'm talking about my relationship, how I came to know Christ. And, and uh, we're just having this conversation. we we'll go watch our boys play basketball. We come back. We have more conversation, just getting to know each other. And then... You know, I would invite him to church, and then uh, I think we rode to another game together, and, and so I would always invite him, and, and he never would show up. So one Sunday, I'm teaching, I look over, and right along in here, I see his son and daughter sitting. And, uh, and so I, as soon as the message over, I walked down I said, hey, is your dad here? And I said, no, he didn't come today. I said, oh, okay. So I walked out to the foyer, and when I walked out the foyer, I could see him sitting in his truck out there. He was waiting to pick him up. And uh, so I walked out to the truck, and you know he was probably going, like, oh, heck, here comes the preacher. And, uh, and so anyway, so i walk up and say, Hey man, I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm here to get the kids. And I said, uh, I said, well, what you been doing? He said, I went bow hunting this morning. I said, okay. I said, are you doing any good? He goes, no, I didn't do any good. I said, man, you should have saw what God did in here. I said, there were souls that were saved today and just kind of shared with him what I had seen. Right. And, uh, he goes, ah, that's cool, man. And I said, well, dude, I'd love for you to come join us one Sunday. He goes, I- I'm going to come one Sunday. And so a few weeks later he showed up and so got to talk with him, got to hang out with him a little bit. And then we were doing a dove hunt. uh, uh, The church was doing a dove hunt that we had put on. And and in that dove field, uh, he walked over to where I was at or asked me to walk over to where he was at. And we were standing there talking. And and I got to share the gospel with him. And uh, he began to share with me where he was in his walk with Christ. And he ended up making a decision for Christ. And his kids ended up coming to know Christ and being baptized here. Both of them did. And it goes back to God was telling me, Hey, Mike, it's about a relationship. I want you to build a relationship with somebody. I want you to to see someone, pray for, you know, just a door to open, a bridge to be built, so that you can share the hope that you have. And I'm just telling you this, he's telling all of us that. He's telling every one of us. If you're watching online, he's telling you that. You know, hey, build relationships. It's all about relationships. not about religion. It says, but when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And so, when you hear that, I mean, I don't know if that's, that's offensive to me. That, that that rubs me the wrong way. This is such scum. And we would think, you know, man, I would never think that about people. But do we really? Are there times that we go, you know, pe- you know, we see people and they don't look like us. They don't dress like us. They don't think like us. They don't vote like us. And we begin to play them down or maybe even see them as scum. Like these guys did. Maybe they're a little bit too charismatic for us. Maybe they're a little too out there for us. Maybe they're not living the way that we think they should live. And we begin to maybe put them in a, a class system rather than seeing them as a person. And a person who has needs. And a person who needs a Savior. See, there are times that we are as guilty as the Pharisees of looking at someone and going, man, what scum. When Jesus goes... What a soul that needs a Savior, that needs to be healed, that needs to be redeemed. And so Jesus says the healthy, the healthy don't need a doctor, sick people do. Man, let me tell you, we're all sin sick. we were all in need of a Savior. We've all missed it by a mile. And I love that, that you know, Jesus, man, he's focused on the people. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. Too often, you know, in his religion, it's everywhere. And religion is really man trying to get to God, trying to connect with God. Hey, if I, if I jump through enough hoops, if I do the right things, if I follow the rituals the right way, then maybe He will accept me. And so that's religion. Religion is, hey, I've got to follow all the rules. I've got to do everything just right. You know, but that's not God's way. God's way was through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus was God's only way of redeeming a right relationship with man. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Too often, what we're doing is we end up giving into religion. I prayed this morning right there. I was like, God, don't ever let this church be a place about religion. Let us be about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, help us to be focused on the relationships with the people around us. God, give us an outward focused mentality. Help us to be focused on the kingdom of God, not on the things of this world. And and so, Jesus was very clear, and he was the only way. And so, God's way, the only way, you might say, well, God could do anything he wants to. He could, but he chose one way. He said, it's going to be through my son. You put your faith in my son. You receive my son. You surrender to my son. You get everything. You get forgiveness. You get redemption. You get healing. You get you get change from the inside out. You get life. You get eternal life. But it's through my son. So that's God's way. Religion is us trying something else. Saying, God, what you have is not enough. And maybe it just seems too simple, God, that we need to do something a little bit more than that. And God says, you're not trusting me. You're trusting in you. Or some type of ritual. Religion is this. Religion is believe and behave equals invitation maybe, and then you might belong. So let me kind of explain what that means. So religion is you have to believe what we believe, and you have to behave the way that we behave, or you're not accepted here. That's what the religious leaders were pretty much saying to Matthew, and even to Jesus. Hey, you're not doing what we're doing. You're not not following every letter of the law like we are. You're not doing everything that we're doing. You're not acting like us. And so religion says, if you believe like we believe, and you behave like we behave, we might invite you to be a part of what we're doing. So we might invite you to come and join us. And then if you follow through and you really do it the way that we want it done, we might say then that you belong. Right? That's religion. Religion is you got to fit in. I had a, I had a guy years ago named Mike. Uh, I worked at a, an apartment complex whenever I was in Birmingham uh, part time to pay for my rent, and I, as I was a student at Stanford University and. And Mike was, uh, and I've told this story before. Mike was, uh, what you call a Billy bad butt. I mean, he was about this tall and he had forms about that big around and he was just a, he was just a bad He was like a stump, man. I mean, and he would go into a bar and pick the fight with the biggest guy in there just to prove, you know, he had little man disease, in other words. You know what I'm saying? But he was a big, stout little dude. And, and anyway, so I got hired on there helping as a helper with a maintenance guy. And so that was Mike. He didn't like me. I was a little preacher boy going to school here and, uh, and he just kind of, looked down on me, you know, and, uh, but we got to be friends and we worked together and it got to where he was constantly asking me questions about scripture. And, uh, so one day he invited me over for breakfast to eat with him and his family and, and a college student never turns down a good meal like that. So I went over there and we were sitting there and he just kept asking questions. And I said, Mike, I said, do you want to give your life to Christ? And big old Mike, just, you know, just starts shaking all over. And he goes, man, I do. And he just started weeping. He goes, man, I do. And so we got down beside the table and Mike prayed to receive Christ. And and I said, man, I said, dude, that's awesome. I said, you're... And I told him, I said, man, according to Scripture, I said, you're saved. I said, you're part of the family. I said, you're part of the family of God. He goes, and he walked into the bedroom. He walked back out. He said, Mike, my wife wants to get saved. So we got down and she prayed to receive Christ. His three little boys were sitting over there on the couch like going like, what in the world is going on with mom and dad? I mean, this is crazy because, you know, here's his... I'm telling you, Mike was hard as a stone. And Jesus melted his heart through Scripture. And so... Mike says uh, he, he said I, so. I invited him. I said, "Hey man, I want you guys to go to church with me tomorrow." This was Saturday morning, so I said, "Let's go to church with me tomorrow." He goes, "Man, we we can't go. We don't have any clothes to wear." I said, dude, wear what you got?" And he was like, "No no no, man." He said, "If I'm going to church, he goes, I gotta have a suit." I said, "No no no, you don't have to have a suit, bro. I promise you." I said, "Just come in and go. Just go as you are," and he wouldn't do that. And so for a week or two, he wouldn't go to church until he found he got he saved up enough money to buy clothes for him and his wife. And, and so here's the thing: he was still caught up in religion a little bit. He thought he had, to, he had to fit in. He had to qualify. And the thing is, is man, it, with Jesus, it's a little bit different. Look at, look at what Jesus here. Jesus says, here's the invitation, equals you believe and you belong. So Jesus invites you to follow him, to trust him, right? And whenever you believe, when you put your faith in him, you belong. So belief and belong go together. So whenever someone says, hey, man, I put my faith in Christ, I've surrendered my life, and you hear me say, hey, welcome to the family or welcome home, you belong. And my, my, my prayer has always been that our church would have that mentality that it would never be that hey you don't have to you don't have to get fixed up. You, you can come as you are. We you know, we value the outcast and the marginalized, kinda like Jesus does. You know what I'm saying? I mean that's what we value. We care about them. And so believe and belong, and here's the cool thing, then the behave will follow that. We believe that if you put your faith in Christ, if you're truly saved, you ask Christ to come and live within you. Here's the thing, you become a part of the family of God. Now you've got some growing to do and some maturing to do. And hopefully one day those behaviors will be changed and transformed from the inside out. That it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it's the teaching of the Holy Spirit. And it's the surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Day in, day out, we become more and more like Christ. So therefore our behaviors change. See, I believe that God will clean up your mouth. And He'll clean up your thoughts. And He'll clean up your life. And He'll clean up your actions. If he's got your heart. And so whenever we surrender our life to Christ and we say, Jesus, I want you to step into my heart. I want you to take over and be leader and Lord of my life. He's going to change my behavior. Because I'm telling you, people are watching to see if it's legit, if it's real. We can claim to be a Christian and live like hell. And they go, I don't really care about what you have because it's not really real. What people are looking for is something that is authentic, that is genuine, that it's real, that their life has been changed and there's no denying it. That's what the world is looking for. But what the world sees a lot of is just religion. They say people that have religion, that their life hasn't been changed. And I'm telling you, when Jesus comes in, it is a radical change. The old is gone. The new has come. And so it ought to be different in our life. But if people look at us and they don't see any change, no behavioral changes, then they wonder, do we really believe? And then they wonder, do we really belong? But Jesus says, man, if you invite him in, you belong. Religion tries to limit who deserves to sit at the table. But Jesus fights to expand who is welcomed to the table. I love this. Religion tries to limit. You've got to look the right way. You've got to act the right way. You've got to say the right things. You've got to do the right things. You've got to not do certain things to fit in. Years ago, about 17 years ago, we were meeting at the YMCA. Our church started in a YMCA in Millbrook, Grandview YMCA. We met in the old lodge there, and children's ministry met all over the in the gyms and stuff. And one morning, there was a young lady that was there, and there's been a couple of stories like this, but there was a lady that came in one morning, And, um, she was, it was after the service, she's back there in the back weeping. And I walked back to her and I said, Hey, you okay? And she goes, yeah. She goes, uh, man, it just feels amazing to experience God's, God's presence here today. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. That's good. And, uh, she said, she said, this is the first time I've been to church in like 10 years. And I was like, really? I said, what's that about? And she said, I grew up, she grew up in Birmingham, in a very affluent area of Birmingham, really nice area. And, uh, she said, um. She goes, I grew up, you know, I went to church and stuff. And she said, uh, I started dating a boy that I shouldn't have been dating. My mom tried to get me to not date him. And anyway, she goes, I continued to date. I got involved in that relationship and went down a drug road. And uh, she said, you know, uh, I just got into drugs and could not seem to get off of them. And she said, one Sunday morning, she goes, I was sitting on the front steps of a crack house. And she said, I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know, I know better than this. And I know that, you know, I don't have to live like this. I know better. And so she had that kind of epiphany moment. And so she said, you know, I'm going to get up and go to church. So she got up she went to church. Was, I don't know what church she went to there in Birmingham. But she said she walked up to the door and a, a gentleman met her at the door. And he goes, hey, can I help you? And she said, uh, I'm just going to church. He goes, not like that, you're not. And she goes, what do you mean? He says, you're not coming here looking like that. And if you want to go home, clean yourself up. And I don't know what she was dressed like. I don't know what she looked like. But he turned her away. Whew. Religion tries to limit who sits at the table. Jesus fights to expand that. He says, all who will come, what you do unto the least of these, you've done unto me. And so here he is. This guy said, hey, listen, he probably meant well, but he was just religious. He didn't have a relationship with Christ that was vibrant, that was real, that was genuine, was authentic. that loved people. He loved religion. He loved the rules, right? But he didn't love this young girl and they would say, hey, listen, come on in, honey. Let's, look, look, I, we want to get you a good seat. Hey, do you need something to drink? Do you need something to eat? Can we take care? What can we do to minister to your needs? But instead, he wanted to shun her and shame her. And she said, for 10 years, I haven't been in church until today. You go, Man, why would somebody do that? It's because they have got focused on religion and not a relationship with Christ. See, when we focus on Jesus, we follow him. And when we follow Him, we do what He does. You know what He does? He loves people. You know what He does? He ministers to people. You know what He does? He cares about what's going on in their life. You know what He does? He changes their life. He impacts them. He he redeems them. And so we as followers of Christ need to have that mentality, God, don't ever let me be one where it's all about the rules and the regulations and it's all about religion, but God, let it be about a relationship. And so I got to hug that girl that day and say, Listen, I'm just glad you're in in the body of Christ today. You know, and she went here for a while. She moved back to Birmingham. Hopefully and prayerfully her family was maybe restored. Her life was redeemed, changed forever. But at least I had that opportunity to learn. You know what? Here at Journey Church, we want to be where you come as you are. And we'll accept you. We believe that God loves you enough that He'll change you. It's not our job to change you. It's not my job to change anybody. It's my job to preach the truth of God's Word. I believe the Word of God will change you. And I believe the Spirit of God will change you. I believe He's the one that redeems us. And so Jesus does everything he can to expand who gets to sit at the table. We often forget what it's like to be on the outside looking in. And I don't know about you guys, but man, I can remember what it was like to be lost. Wanting to know where I would spend eternity if I died. Wanting to know what it was like to have peace. Wanting to know that, you know, I was right with God. And, I, and so years ago, I went back to where I was, uh, where I, I, I got saved, the church I got saved in. I went back and I knocked on the door, the, the, it was closed and I asked the secretary, I said, do you mind if I go in? I said, I went to church here years ago. I said, I got saved here. I surrendered to the ministry here. And, uh, and that, that church is on decline. It's dying, to be honest with you. And she said, uh, she goes, uh, let, me, let me check. And she said, yeah, go ahead. And so I went in. And so I went and I sat in the chairs, you know, kind of over in this area where I sat the night I got saved. And I can remember sitting there negotiating with God and, and trying to decide what I was going to do, where, you know, what I need, needed to happen. And I can remember getting up and walking the aisle and giving my life to Christ and here's what I was doing. I wanted to remember what it's like to be on the outside looking in. And see, I think a lot of Christians have forgot what it's like to be on the outside looking in. I think that we've gotten, you know, we got okay with being in here. We forgot what it's like to be on the outside. And so here's the thing. We don't really care about the people on the outside anymore. We've kind of given up on that. And one of the greatest challenges for a pastor, and let me just tell you this, is to keep a church outward focused. Because the church always wants to gravitate towards, hey, what's in it for me? And it's always about us. Uh, and sometimes it's us for and no more. Yeah, we don't want anybody else coming here. We're going to turn them away at the door. And really what the Bible teaches us is that we should be always outward focused. And so we we forget what it's like to be on the outside looking in. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's scripture, right? That's, That's the word of God. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. I love that passage. You say, hey, man, listen, if you put your faith in Christ, if you surrender your life, if you ask him to come and live within you, man, he will redeem you. He will save you. And, and, and then it says, hey, be, don't be ashamed of him. Let everybody know. And so celebrate the miracles. We're doing baptism. Maybe you're here and you've never followed Christ in believers' baptism. Go public that day. I, that little boy is going public that day. I had a gentleman sitting right over here. I didn't catch him before the service was over. But he raised his hand. If I can find him, I'm going to say, hey, man, you need to go public with that. Don't be ashamed of it. Let everybody know that Christ lives in you. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They, are, they have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Man, if you, if you call on Him, and here's, here's what you're doing. Say, God, Jesus, I'm asking you. I'm calling on you to save me, to redeem me. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe in what you did. I believe in the cross. I believe in the resurrection. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the gospel. And whenever you do that, you're calling on Him. He says, man, you will be saved. So the temptation of the age is to look good without being good. Brendan Manning, it's out of the, the book uh, Ragamuffin Gospels, great book. Maybe you are not looking for a good read. That's one. But here's that's the temptation. Here's this is what we see too often. We want to look good, but on the inside we're broken and we're in need of a savior. Religion is looking good without being good, without being changed and transformed from the inside out. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves; it is the gift of God. Not by works that anybody can boast. It's a gift. We just have to receive the gift. We don't try to earn it. We don't try to get better. We don't try to fix, you know, anything to get it. Here's the thing. Once we get it, we will get better because he'll be working on us. He'll be working in us and working through us.
1: There we go. Video. Check us out. Pastor Mike Mazingo, Journey Church. I'm greeting you all the way from the mountain kingdom of Lesotho down in southern Africa. I just want to extend my thanks to your support, your continuous support, keeping us in the mission field, keeping us doing this work down here in Africa. We brought a team of 14 people up here yesterday to a place called Hajobo we're 2,400 meters above ski level in the mountains, no car can drive over here, we had to hike a generator, sound equipment up here. We then had this storm that we had to negotiate, at one stage I had doubt and I was like, Lord, it's raining, we're not going to show the Jesus form. But we stood over young, we prayed, and we asked the Lord that, that He would part these clouds. And God, who parted the Red Sea, parted the clouds last night. And you'll see a photograph now of, of this beautiful sunset, and we were able to show the Jesus form to about 100 people. We had people committing their lives to the Lord. Folks, we're excited. There are villages beyond these mountains where the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, has not yet been heard. We talk about the second coming of Christ beyond those mountains. There are people who've never heard of the first coming of Christ. Uncle Mike, Journey Church, thank you. Thank you so much for your support. May the Lord bless you guys, and I hope to meet you guys soon, hopefully in 2022. Bless you. Bye-bye.
0: That's that's just a good story. Andre, you know, we're not kin. We're we're brothers in Christ. But in South Africa, they they call you uncle. It's a respect thing. And so Andre is over there reaching out to people that have never, ever heard the gospel. So they're hiking up these mountains and they're taking these generators and they show this film that's in their language and they get to hear the gospel for the very first time. That's because they're outward focused. And now let me tell you a little bit about Andre. He's going to be here in March. He's going to be speaking here in March. But Andre is a soul that was saved that said, you know what? God's changed me, and I want to share with others how they can be saved. So he has a ministry to the outcast and to the marginalized. And so even his home where he lives is literally a compound that is set up to bring in people that are strung out on drugs and alcohol and and have lost all hope. And he brings them in, and he's built these these dormitories they get to live in. And he literally teaches and, and, and leads them to Christ and disciples them, and they become disciples a lot of that team that you just saw that's toting all that stuff in the mountains to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ were outcast, marginalized people that the, the, the people the community had given up on. But, man, God did not give up on them. And now not only are they outcasts that were marginalized, they're missionaries for the gospel. And they're going out and sharing their faith and they're reaching people that no one else is going after. And so I'm just telling you, man, that's what happens when we meet Jesus, when we have a relationship with it, it changes everything. The gospel of Christ was radical and revolutionary. It still is. It still is. And what happens is too often we settle for something less than what Jesus preached. And what Jesus lived out and what Jesus modeled for us. We end up becoming religious rather than radically changed by our relationship with Christ. So then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call... Called not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The best place we can be is when we realize, you know what, I am broken and in need of a Savior. Jesus said, listen, that's who I'm looking for. That's who knows that they don't have it all together. That's who knows, you know what, I need Christ in my life. I need Jesus. And He said, man, that's who I'm looking for. He said, hey, listen, don't go out there and do sacrifice. Don't try to do the religious thing. Let it be about a relationship where you know you need a Savior. That's what's beautiful about that. If we're comfortable with dead religion, we will never embrace the power of the gospel let me just tell you there are a lot of churches here in america a lot of churches around the world where they they are okay with dead religion that's just i mean just dead religion just religious activities and they're afraid of the gospel just like the pharisees were just like the people that were ridiculing jesus and they're pointing it out and they're calling him out they were afraid because it was going to mess up their system it's going to mess up their plans but i'm telling you if we embrace the power of the gospel man we're not afraid of what god can do we want to see what God can do. Just like Eric was praying earlier, we pray for God's spirit to be poured out on this place, for lives to be changed, for souls to be saved, for the light of the church to be bright in this community. That's what we're supposed to be about. We see people based on what they have done. Jesus sees them based on what he can do. So we look at people and we go, man, they're, they're, they're cheaters, they're liars, they're thieves, they're drug addicts, they're drunks, they're Whatever. And we see them for what, they, what they've done, what they've, how they've messed up. Jesus sees them for what He can do in their life. He says, I can take that life and I can let it be a beautiful picture of God's grace and redemption. I can take that life and change that life and that life can become a voice for me. Crying out in the darkness, literally calling out and being a light to the world. A guy years ago, his name was Bruce Reed, and he wrote a book called The Bruised Reed. And he would travel all over the nation, speaking in schools, talking about men of, staying off drugs. And he worked with the sheriff's program. And he would, let, he would go in and talk to kids. And he'd say, listen, man, for me it was Jesus that changed my life. And he would tell his story and show pictures of how bad off he was. But let me tell you, a young couple picked him up on the way to their youth program one night. It was the, it was the, uh, the uh, captain of the football team and a cheerleader that stopped and picked him up. And they led him to Christ that night. And then that guy's life was radically changed. He went on to, to become a missionary over in Africa. He traveled all over the, you know, the United States sharing with kids how their lives could be changed. And they didn't have to go down the drug road. I'm just telling you, man, God will take anybody. If you'd have seen his picture, you'd have been like, if he can use that guy, he can use anybody. Incredible what God can do if we'll surrender. For a am I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. What God is saying, hey, listen, what you might think, you're just an outcast. You're just a dry wasteland. He said, man, I'll put life in there. And I'll do things so you can't get your mind around. And then he tells us to love people. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Let me ask you, are you one of those Christians where you hate certain people? Because Jesus loves them. He loves them enough that He would go to a cross. He loved them enough that He would literally die for them. And so do you love people? Here we are getting close to Thanksgiving. Do you have family members that you hate? see, Jesus loves them. There may be some of you sitting here today that you hate yourself. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to change your life from the inside out. Jesus shows us the power of personal touch and invitation You know, we often will give you guys invite cards, and we we tell you, man, invite somebody to come and be a part of the church or invite someone to a service. I just posted a video this past week. If you guys want to go share it, go share it. It's an invitation inviting people to celebrate the miracles, to come and experience, you know, people going through the waters of baptism. Invite them. Go share it. Invite them. You invite them. But there's something about a personal invitation. Statistics tell us that if we will just invite someone to church, 80 to 90 percent of them would come if they were ever asked to. So who has God put on your mind today? That you need to invite. Who's he, who's he telling you to give a personal invitation to? Who are you inviting to your table? Is it a family member? Is it a brother? Sister? Mom? Dad? Is it a friend? coworker? Here's some next steps for all of us today. Back up. Invite someone to church. That, one more. Go back one more. There you go. Invite someone to dine At our table today. I want to challenge you. To invite someone to lunch. Maybe it's someone that doesn't know Christ. Invite someone to come eat at your house. Maybe they don't know Christ. You you say, Mike, am I supposed to associate with them? Yeah, you're supposed to do everything you can to reach them. You know, so invite them to dine with you today. Here's another one. Invite someone to church this week. You know, just say, hey, listen, man, I want you to come. You know, we're doing this series or whatever, and I want, you, I want you to come to church for me. I'll pick you up. You can come sit with me. We're going to be sitting, you know, in the back. I'll wait for you. I'll meet you at the back door. Invite someone to church. I had a friend of ours that was, she was on staff here at the church for a while. They, they live in Germany now. But a friend invited her to come to the church service to listen to the music to give her some feedback. And she was like, okay. So she comes and she gives her life to Christ that day. It changed her life forever. So invite somebody. You might say, well, Mike, they might not like the music here. They might not like the the lights or your teaching. Hey, why do not you give them an opportunity to figure that out? Because they may hear the gospel and respond by faith. Their life may be changed forever because someone cared enough to invite them. And here's the last one. Share with my circle of influence what Jesus has done for me or in my life. That's you telling your story. All you've got to do is say, listen, guys, I just want to share with you what Jesus has done in my life. What he's doing right now and what I'm believing he's going to do in the days ahead. And maybe for some of you, you're like, Mike, I don't have a testimony. We well, can start one today. You can start one today by putting your faith in Christ because that's where it begins. Everything ends and begins with Jesus. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're watching online, man, just, just bow your head right there and, and just say, God, what it me needs to change today? God, my heart has become hard and cold. Maybe I've been religious. There may be some of you in this room that, man, you feel like, you know what, man, I, I've been religious. I've been going to church my whole life. It's all been about religion and rituals rather than about a relationship with God. Some of you in this room might say, you know what? I could have been that guy at the back of the back door of that church that turned that little girl away who was looking for hope, who was looking for help, who was looking for healing. Maybe you just ought to ask God, God, break my heart. Don't ever let me get that way again. I want to love people because He loves you. So right where you said, you say, Jesus, will you, will you come into my life? Jesus, will you come into my life and change me? You're inviting Him to come into your life. So, Jesus, will you come in? Will you live in me? Will you forgive me for my sins? His answer is yes. Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. Jesus, I want to follow you. He's invited you to follow Him. Then follow Him. How do you do that? By trusting Him. By by putting your faith in Him. So maybe there's somebody in this room... That you you just prayed that prayer. You just said, Jesus, I want you to come and live within me. Jesus, I want you to lead me, to guide me. I give you my life. If you just prayed that prayer, if you don't mind, raise your hand. Believe me, I love to celebrate it. Anybody? I see your hand back here on the back. Anybody else? Right here in the front. I see your hand right there. Welcome to the family. That's three of you right here. Four of you. Anybody else? Man, praise God. Church, that's awesome. Four who have put their faith in Christ. Welcome to the family of God. You're accepted here. Because of what Jesus did. That is awesome. Maybe you're watching online and maybe today you put your faith in Christ. Man, that's awesome. We want to know that. Celebrate that with us. Last week someone let us know from being online that they prayed to receive Christ. I don't even know where they were at in the world. But you know, the cool thing is Jesus does. Jesus does. Maybe you're here and you never followed Christ in believers' baptism. Man, you need to get your name on the list and on, Celebr- on Celebrate the Miracle Sunday. You need to do that. You need to go public. I want to give you an opportunity to just respond. The praise team's going to come and they're going to, they're going to sing a song. It's just a time of response. There may be something you need to come and pray at the altar about. Maybe something you need to leave at the altar. The prayer team's going to be here. But I just know, you know, with families getting together, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Maybe we need to get our hearts right before we meet with our family. So it's a great opportunity to do that. The the team is going to lead us in song. I want to ask everybody across the room to stand. And you just respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. The altar is open. You come. You pray. Maybe you just need somebody to pray over you.
1: But they're here waiting on you.